You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NFL on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a great show for you today as we take a deep dive into the Carolina Panthers, where they are and where they're going. My co-host Jake Lisko will join us here in a little bit with Julian Council to go over every angle of the Carolina Panthers in today's 360 look at that organization. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, where we look at athleticism in the NFL, as well as RGR football on YouTube. You can check me out there. I also want to talk about what we might see in this run-up to the regular season before we get into covering the Panthers in a 360 look at where they are in their evolution towards taking a step forward and being competitive. And this time of the year always brings me back to the hard knocks phenomenon. And you'll get some people that will complain it's not truly an inside look because it's edited and some of the things are prearranged, so to speak. And I can't make any argue with that, but I will say this that over the years of watching this series, I think that you have gotten glimpses into not only how the league functions, but how a lot of the personalities function as well. And there are a lot of candidates there. I am here to tell you that I'm not interested in watching Mike McCarthy try to not play and not really get into Dak Prescott in the recovery from his injury and the cloak and dagger that I expect to go on an organization run by Jerry Jones. So I'm taking them out of it. I know a lot of fans want them. I'm not one of those people. I think that the Panthers are actually one of the better candidates, if not the best candidate. There's the Denver Broncos, but I think the quarterback is really the biggest question of any franchise, and I don't know that the battle between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke is really anything that drives interest in the show. There are a lot of other personalities in Denver. I will say that. Vaughn Miller deserves to have some kind of spotlight on him at this point in his career. I will say that out loud. But it brings me back to the Giants are a New York team. They're they're likely a favorite just because of the market share that they get. But for me, it's about, and you will not find this funny given the way that Jake and I approach the Thursday show, and that we are about team building. We are about how do you fix that roster? How do you take the next step forward to make your franchise competitive? And when I look at that, I do feel like the Broncos and the Panthers are the most interesting in the overall process. But for me, it's the Panthers that we're going to talk about from an insider here in Julian Council coming up in a little bit with Jake. But for me, there are a lot of questions. Now, Sam Darnold clearly has been in a situation since leaving USC that has not afforded him the opportunity for growth like a lot of rookies could expect, especially given how high he was drafted. I'm here to tell you that I'm interested in the Sam Darnold reboot. I'm interested to see what Matt Rule can do with him. I think Matt Rule is one of the more interesting personalities in any of the coaching ranks in terms of how he goes about relating to his players, a guy that's you know more recently in college than most of the NFL head coaches. I think that helps to tell you the truth. And I thought you got a glimpse of him at the Senior Bowl and some of his personality. I think that may be the recipe to help Sam Darnold make some progression. And we can't forget, that Joe Brady is going to be working with Sam Darnold over and over and over in what is, I'm going to call the 2.0, Sam machine. And he has a lot of tools to work with. They already had some good targets in Dante Jackson, in DJ Moore. They added 
in the draft, I think, some interesting options as well. And I do want to say that Terrace Marshall was a guy that I feel like could bring not just some athleticism, but some power to that passing game. And I do like what Tommy Tremble gives them as what is, if we're taking Sam back to his rookie season, tight end is always a rookie's friend. I do feel that Tremble was underutilized in college, and I do feel that he is somebody that they can get very creative with in the short to intermediate range, things that will help Sam. But I have to say, the biggest thing that I think could help Sam Darnold in his progression really ought to be front and center is Christian McCaffrey, who I think at this point in his career, uh, especially for all you fantasy players, you know exactly how valuable he is to that aspect of the game. But I think he's underrated as what he can bring to the entire team. He's a guy that can help Sam Darnold, protect Sam Darnold, be the outlet for Sam Darnold. And I think he's a guy that needs to be not only forefront in their offense, but also should they make it to the Hard Knocks series. Because I think there are a lot of storylines there that are going to revolve around the quarterback that hasn't worked out and the elite running back that probably doesn't get enough praise in NFL circles we all know what he gets in the fantasy circles, but I think there are a lot of interesting options there. The question is going to be, can you keep Sam healthy? And I have covered their now left tackle in Cam Irving when he was in Kansas City, and I have to say, I still feel, as I did the day that he was drafted and the day that he signed up in Kansas City, and now the day that he's in Carolina, that Cam Irving is best placed at a guard where he can use his athleticism without having to be on an island against pass rushers that are generally more athletic. I think that is a tough sell for him, and I think it's going to be tough on Sam Darnold. Now, that opens the door for Brady Christensen. A lot of discussion around him is, can he be a tackle? Can he be a guard? Selected in the third round this year. I think that might be something to keep an eye on as the team moves forward. We're going to see what that evolution is and how the Panthers staff chooses to utilize Christensen. That's something to keep an eye on that I think is going to be yet to see. But for me, I think the defensive side is really where it's at. Do, can they get more help for Brian Burns and Derek Brown? I think that they have some options there. Uh, can Grossmanos take a step forward and become a bookend? How do they use Jeremy Chin? Is Jeremy Chin really going to be the Swiss Army knife and still play some linebacker? Or are they going to let him drift back to safety and try to become uh, a bigger playmaker, somebody that makes a bigger impact on the game? A lot of questions, but I think a lot of intrigue. And I have the vote that the Panthers should be the team on Hard Knocks. We'll get the announcement here. I think they're trying to aim for today as they make the announcement. We will find out. But coming up next, we're going to get deep into what's going on in the Panthers with Jake and Julian coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got baseball season in full swing. The NBA playoffs are wrapping up and the Stanley Cup playoffs are still going on as well. Not only that, there's UFC action going for you year round and betonline.ag has you covered for all of it. They've got news for you all at the same place you get your real time updated odds and do your betting. So before the next pitch, go on over to betonline.ag, check out their sign up bonuses, their contest information, and we've got a bonus for you right now. When you sign up and use promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit again promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that is free money at bet online your online sportsbook experts we're now joined by locked on panthers host julian council make sure you check out locked on panthers for your daily coverage 
of the Carolina Panthers. Find Julian on Twitter at Julian Council. Julian, welcome to Locked On NFL. Are you excited to tell everybody about all the things Carolina Panthers that we're not thinking about at a national level? Well, of course. That's why I'm here. Thanks for having me, Jake. We're excited to do it. And let's start with the thing that everyone is talking about at the national level, and that is the trade for Sam Darnold. And I I think for me, what goes hand in hand in that is the correspondent decision to stay put in the draft and not draft Justin Fields, letting him go to 11 ends up going to Chicago. But we're talking about the Panthers. So tell us a little bit about what you think the organization's thoughts were making this trade happen and then saying, you know what, we don't want to go with Mac Jones or Justin Fields. We don't want to roll the dice on a quarterback. We're going to go with Sam Darnold this year and see what happens. I think you have to go back to the 2018 draft and Scott Fitterer, now the general manager here in Carolina, being back in Seattle under John Snyder. And every year, despite having Russell Wilson, they would still evaluate the top quarterbacks. His evaluation of Sam Darnold was like a lot of people's as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in that draft. Of course, he goes number three overall to the New York Jets, and things don't work out for a myriad of reasons. Um, first year there under Todd Bowles, basically a lame deck head coach. They get rid of him after that season, bring in Adam Gase from a division rival in Miami where he was not very good in the last couple of seasons. They'd have one really good season with Ryan Tannehill where they went to the playoffs, which people seem to forget that Tannehill actually had his best season under Adam Gase. But there's this narrative that Adam Gase ruined Ryan Tannehill, who had gotten a second contract already in Miami before Adam Gase had even shown up. So I never really understood that kind of take. But yeah, Sam Darnold struggled in New York, didn't have great protection on the offense line, didn't have great weapons around him. One of those good weapons that he had, Robbie Anderson, is now here in Carolina. So the Panthers thought that bringing him in his system with Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson again, DJ Moore, who's had back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons, adding a wide receiver and Terrace Marshall through the draft, and having Joe Brady as his OC, that this would be a better situation for him than what he went through in New York. So I guess that's the thought process there while bringing Sam Darnold to Carolina. Do I agree with that? Not necessarily, but something you also have to understand is the owner, David Tepper, spent $2.25 billion liquid for this team three years ago. In three seasons, he's seen Cam Newton's shoulder fall apart after going to a 6-2 and start and finishing off 1-7 and the second half of the season. The next year, he brings back Ron Rivera. Cam Newton gets injured in three, week three of the preseason in New England, then tries to play the first two games, uh, games of the season, doesn't have it. He's out for the year. You're stuck with Kyle Allen, who started off well, but then started turning the ball over the entire time the rest of the season. He had an ill-fated start with Will Greer in Indianapolis. Then last year, they signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $60 million deal. That doesn't work out. They've had a lot of bad quarterback play in three losing seasons under an owner who, once again, spent $2.25 billion liquid. He's not patient enough to sit here and watch a rookie quarterback develop. So they rather take a chance on a guy who was a top three pick in Sam Darnold and hope that here in this situation, things will work out. That's something that I don't think a lot of people recognize is the impatience of the owner not trying to wait three seasons, basically, for Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whoever would have been to finally be that quarterback because then he's in year six. And what does he have to show for all the money he spent? Likely not a playoff appearance. And that could still very well be the case with Sam Darnold if he continues to play the way he's played his first three years in the league with the New York Jets. I think that's a really interesting way to put it. And I I think that to me, 
from the outside hearing that be the narrative, if that's truly what it is in Carolina. And, and it sounds like a very plausible explanation. Another case of an owner getting in the way of his front office and getting in the way of the team building process. What's your feel about that? Is that, is that a fair takeaway from, from what you just told me? Or do you think that there's some, some, some credence, I guess, to that approach from ownership in Carolina? It's very obvious here in Carolina that David Tepper is an active participant within this organization. He was patient when he first took over with the business side, rebuilding that. Then he waited. He gave Ron Rivera a second season when a lot of people probably when they buy a new team for the amount of money that he paid for likely wouldn't do that, especially after starting six and two, then finishing off the season, losing seven of your last eight games. So he had every reason to move on, but he decided to stay with Ron Rivera for another year. Then he brought in his own guy, Matt Rule, kept Marty Herney, the GM, for one more season. Now he's brought in his own GM, Scott Fitterer. They've really fixed the entire organization in terms of bringing back Dan Morgan, who was a Panther linebacker um, back in the Super Bowl team back in 03, who spent time in Seattle under Fitterer, and then the last couple of years under Brandon Bean, another Carolina Panthers homegrown guy who's a GM up in Buffalo. So he's been patient in terms of trying to build the football side. But yeah, I mean, everyone knows here that David Tepper, who, come on, let's be honest, he spent a lot of money. So he should want to make sure that his product and his investment is going to be successful. It just is curious when you see him basically on the phone with the, with all the draft picks after the draft and being basically always at practice. And it's not like he's necessarily Jerry Jones or Jerry X. He has the hand within the organization and player personnel, but he certainly is an active participant within the organization. I don't think anything gets passed without his approval here in Carolina. So let's shift gears and talk about the rest of this offense, because you mentioned that Sam Darnold supporting cast in New York, not necessarily the best. You talked about Adam Gase's track record, which generally not well reputed, despite the success that you argued the Tannehill had. I would personally argue that Tannehill has had better seasons since he left Miami and found his resurgence in Tennessee, but neither here nor there. There, there was a reason that Adam Gase got the chance he got, but looking at the team that Sam Darnold is arriving to in Carolina looks like a relatively strong roster, especially when you consider the weapons, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, a fantastic duo complementary skill sets, the deep threat in Robbie Anderson and a guy that can really do everything in DJ Moore. They add a Supreme athlete who is very productive in college in Terrace Marshall. If he can stay healthy, you managed to retain Taylor Moten to play right tackle. I, I really like Brady Christensen in the third round. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey will be a huge part of this offense. What do you think yeah. the direction is? Is it let's hide Sam Darnold a little bit and make his life easy, or let's let Sam Darnold be a gunslinger? What kind of offense are we going to see from Carolina this year? Well, it's definitely not going to be gunslinger, considering he's had double-digit interceptions dating back to his last year as a starter at USC. That's just not who he is. They're going to need him to play within the framework of the offense and take what the defense gives him and allow his playmakers to go out there and make plays. He can't put this team in a position where they're going to fail. Like last year, Teddy Bridgewater, for the most part, he protected the football, turned it over a little bit more than you expected, didn't really stretch the field, which is something that they're hoping to see from Sam Darnold this year. And it's very possible that they could do that with Robbie Anderson, who had a career year last year, and same with DJ Moore. And you have to look at his offense. Like last year, they had four guys who had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons, and Curtis Samuel, who's now with the Washington football team. So two of those guys are gone. McCaffrey comes back, so you're thinking the last time you saw him play a full 16-game season, now you've added a 17th game. He had a 1,000-1,000 season. 
Only two other guys have done that. Roger Craig, who's in the Hall of Fame, and Marshall Falk, who is also pretty damn good at football. So it will be interesting to see how things work out with Carolina. The real issue, though, is, yeah, they bring back Taylor Moten at right tackle. But the rest of the offense line, not great. John Miller was in Buffalo, goes to Cincinnati, signs a three-year deal after one year. They cut him. He comes to Carolina last year. He starts the majority of the games at right guard. Carolina brings him back again this season. At center, Matt Paradis didn't play well his first year in Carolina, gave him pressures, but last year bounced back. But this is going to be his last year at center. Then their first two signings of free agency were Cam Irving, a bust with the Cleveland Browns, who was also horrible in Kansas City and banged up and injured and bad last year at the Dallas Cowboys, likely to be your left tackle. And then Pat Elfline, who was a Remington Award winner, center of the year back at the Ohio State University, goes Minnesota gets replaced by Garrett Bradbury, who is a Charlotte guy, first rounder at NC State, gets cut, goes to New York to protect Sam Darnold, sucked at it, and now he's here. So the offensive line is not good. It's uh, that's a situation where Carolina, yeah, okay, Moten's here for another season, but is he going to be here in 2022? Are they going to sign him to a new deal by the 15th? That's a big question that a lot of people are asking here. So while they might have the weapons around Sam Darnold, will he have the time to even make decisions? And we'll be seeing whether he's had a clean pocket or not a clean pocket, he's been bad in both situations. And I just wonder for his confidence, can he handle any sort of pressure that might come if the offensive line plays the way that they played for pretty much the last three to four seasons here in Carolina? The really quick question I want to wrap up for on offense is, how long is Sam Darnold's leash? Is it longer than one year? No. I know that they picked up his fifth-year option, which is he's guaranteed no matter what because of the new CBA rules, he's guaranteed $18.8 million in 2022. We already saw Teddy Bridgewater. He got paid $31 million just for one season. They, they will move on. David Sepper is going to be very aggressive, the owner for the Carolina Panthers, and trying to find that quarterback. I'm interested to see how things play out with Deshaun Watson with the legal issues and also in Houston because he wasn't there for OTAs or mandatory minicamp. I don't suspect he'll be there for training camp, whether the legal stuff doesn't go the right way or whether he still doesn't want to be there. So that's the name to look out for. No, if Sam Darnold comes out here and plays the way he's played with the New York Jets the last couple of years, he might be on the roster next year, but he's going to be the backup. Or they're going to try and find a way to move him somewhere because there's going to be some coach who's going to have the arrogance to believe that they can fix a guy who has shown you that he's not very good. So, no, he has one year to get it figured out. And if he does not perform up to the standards that the Carolina Panthers are hoping, he will not be here in 2022. And I'm expecting the Carolina Panthers to be starting a new start in 2022, just based off of what I saw at Sam Darnold in New York and what I saw at his second year at USC, where people talk about Heisman Trophy, but he was more interested in throwing the football to the other team opposed to his actual teammates there in Southern Cal. A bit of a scathing review there of the new Carolina Panthers quarterback. Let's shift gears. We'll not talk about Sam Darnold for a few minutes. Talk about the defense coming up next. If you've ever listened to a Locked On podcast, you know how great Built Bar is. But in case this is your first time or you've forgotten, Built Bar is just a perfect protein bar. They've got nine incredible flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. I personally have found that many of these flavors are delicious depending on the mood you're in. Maybe you're in the mood for something coconutty, coconut, coconut, almond, both out there for you. They've got some fruit flavors and cherry and raspberry, some brownie, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, the double chocolate for the chocolate lovers, and salted caramel for a little bit of sophistication. And if you don't know what flavor you would like the most, you can get a mix box and try two of each. 
Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. They've got great nutrition. Most of them have about 17 grams of protein on just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar. So go get that raspberry or mint brownie. And when you do at BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% on your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Julian, there's some things that I really like about the Carolina Panthers defense. And well, mostly it is Brian Burns. I also really like Derek Brown, but mostly it's Brian Burns, who was a fantastic draft pick in 2019 and has been a fantastic professional player. Who are some of the underrated players on this defense? Some of the underheralded guys or are the guys not heralded because they're not very good? Well, last year, you have to understand, it's just one of the youngest defenses in the league. It, it took them a long time to get figured, things figured out. They had a stretch where they were playing against Super Bowl MVP and MVP after MVP. Like, they played Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, like, all in a stretch of games for, like, six weeks, which made things difficult. But later on in the season, you saw them shut out the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford, who's now with Los Angeles. And a lot of people think that the Rams and Sean McVay's offense they could be a Super Bowl contender or favorite potentially. They also, in a second half in a Saturday night game in Lambeau, played really well against Aaron Rodgers and that offense as they were the number one seed in the NFC last season. But yeah, Brian Burns is obviously the headliner. Uh, one of the signings I really love for the Carolina Panthers defense this year was Daquan Jones, who, who Daquan Jones, rather, you can put next to Derek Brown, who was your first round pick, seventh overall back in 2020, who was up and down last season. I think not having K1 short next to him, a veteran presence kind of hurt him. There's a younger guy in Etor Grossmatos, who was a second round pick last year for the Carolina Panthers, who was banged up, who was a really good edge rusher. And if he's healthy, I think he's going to have an impact for this team. Really, I mean, if, if the guy you got to bring up is Jeremy Chin, who was the MVP of this defense last year, playing at linebacker when really he's a safety. At least that's what he played back at Southern Illinois, back in the FCS and college football. Now he's going to move back to safety. So I'm really interested to see what he does this season. And Dante Jackson, the corner, with J.C. Horn, the first-round pick, bringing in A.J. Boye, who's a pro bowler, back when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars and also really good back in Houston. I think it's going to have Dante Jackson in a contract year, which are undefeated, an opportunity to finally break out and be a big-time player for the Carolina Panthers out on the outside. It's nice to hear that Jeremy Chen is having a successful time in the NFL. You mentioned that he was playing linebacker last year. Is he going to get his chances all around the football field, or, or what is his future for this season with this defense in the current iteration? Yeah, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, is all about kind of positionless football. He played a lot of three-man, four-man fronts, a lot of college stuff, really. I mean, that's what Aaron Rodgers was saying after that Packers loss, just how confused he was by all the college looks that he hadn't seen since being back at Cal back in 03, 04. So they're going to be multiple. Chin's going to be all over the field. He's never going to be truly a safety or truly a linebacker. I mean, they'll play him at both those positions. They'll also play him in the slot and some nickel packages. So he's going to be everywhere. And that's what the Panthers like. I, I see him continue to be a 100-tackle guy. Just the question is, physically, will he be able to hold up? Because he did that. Has the off-season uh, shoulder surgery uh, this year, and that's something to look at. Also, kind of had a knee issue uh, dating back to college at Southern Illinois. So he still it was a little bit undersized for linebacker, but moving him back to his more natural position of safety. And Phil Sosa said as much. This should be good for his longevity for the Carolina Panthers. But yeah, expect him to play all over the defense in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, you mentioned the the college style stuff. That's actually something really interesting that Seth Galina pointed out at PFF, and I'm sure you know all about this, but. For those listening, they might not know as well. 
2019 at Baylor, it was a 3-4 with three safeties on the field. Are you expecting to see more three safety looks in 2021 to get further into those Baylor roots? No, I don't think they have the talent at safety. Outside of, I mean, Justin Burris will be the other starter at safety. They, they let go Trey Boston, who's currently a free agent, to give Chen the opportunity to move back safety full-time. If anything, you're going to see you know, more nickel looks with the three corners that they have because they haven't had the ability last season where Rasul Douglas, who they got off of waivers from Philadelphia after he was cut by the Eagles, having to basically come in and be their top corner at times when Dante Jackson was struggling with that turf toe. And it's the reason why Matt Rule, and he said as much on draft night, why they drafted J.C. Horn, because they couldn't get off the field. So they needed extra corners. So you bring in a former pro bowler, then you draft the guy at eighth overall, who, by the way, was the top pick in the top defensive pick in the draft. And you have Dante Jackson, who's a second rounder, and he's been a starter since his rookie year out of LSU. I think you're going to see more of those looks where you have those three corners out on the field, which is going to Carolina actually an opportunity to get out the field on third downs that they could not do last year. But as far as three safeties, I don't think they have the personnel right now to do that. And they invested in linebackers in free agency. Two of the signings that stand out to me, Denzel Perriman and Hassan Reddick. That definitely doesn't speak to three safeties, right? That speaks to let's get Jeremy Chin back to safety and use these guys that we're paying money to along with Shaq Thompson. Are you expecting a lot of three linebacker looks as well? I mean, I obviously you go to nickel and you match personnel, but who are going to be the nickel linebackers or is Hassan Reddick going to be more of an edge rusher? Yeah, I mean, Reddick's definitely going to be an edge rusher for sure. He's going to play opposite of Brian Burns. It's only going to give Brian Burns more of an opportunity to be a game wrecker in this league. Inside, though, like on like first and second down, it's obviously going to be Shaq Thompson and Denzel Perryman. I don't see Denzel Perryman out there on third down. That's the opportunity that maybe you can bring in Jeremy Chin down there to play as far as he's trying to get up on like a linebacker such as like a, a Rob Gronkowski if they get in those kind of situations, even though last year that didn't really work out that well when they did try that. But yeah, I mean, I, Reddick, he's interesting to me. It was an exciting signing considering that they're only paying, I believe, what, $6 million guaranteed and potentially $8 million based off of incentives. Last year was really good. But think back to this time a year ago. Arizona was not, what, two months removed from deciding that they didn't want to pick up his fifth-year option. Then last year, he has an awesome breakout year. Most of those sacks came in that New York Giants game. So I'm just wondering, was he lying to us last year? Or is that really who he is in playing with his former head coach, Matt Rule, who he played for back in Temple? May that allow him to actually find that continuity and to have that consistency that was lacking his first three seasons in Arizona. Then he had finally had the breakout last year. So I'm very interested to see how, how he performs, but he's going to at least allow the attention to go to his side instead of it all being focused on Brian Burns for a team that went from second in the league in sacks to one of the bottom teams in sacks in 2020. You would think that the talent they've collected between Brian Burns, Derek Brown, two first round picks and adding Hassan Reddick, a second round pick in Gross Matos. I even like Davion Nixon a little bit. I, I like him a lot in the fifth round, not, not yeah. necessarily a pass rusher, but a versatile interior defensive lineman who can do a little bit of everything. It seems like you could be turning the quarter there a little bit. You mentioned Daquan Jones, the addition there on the interior, the defensive line. When we talk about this defense, are you expecting anything better than bottom third? When we talk about this team, are we expecting anything from bottom third? Are you expecting, unless things go unexpectedly well, perhaps for Sam Darnold, this is looking like a lost year? I, I'm always hesitant to say that. Well, Matt Rule's on a seven-year deal. He's not getting canned unless he like go 0-17, which I have a hard time 
seeing that happen, even if Darnold's terrible and they have to go with Will Greer or P.J. Walker for a couple of games. I think this defense actually has a chance to be pretty good. Going into last season, all I really wanted to see was him improve throughout the season, which is what you finally saw in the second half. I, I even missed out the Washington game. Now, Dwayne Haskins was horrible in that game. And once Heineke came in, they kind of were reeling there late. But still, they played really well the last couple of weeks, minus uh, the New Orleans game in week 17. But still, I think they have a really good opportunity with the, what they've added with the veterans and Boye and adding, obviously, Morgan Fox, too, who played really well in situational pass rushing situations last year with the Los Angeles Rams next to um, Aaron Donald, which, hey, if you, you should be able to make plays. If Aaron Donald's next to you getting double teams, and he went out there and he made plays last season. I like this defense. Just offensively is a concern at the offensive line. Uh, obviously, the quarterback. I think they have plenty of weapons on the outside. Special teams as well. Joey Sly, the kicker. Carolina's been in a situation for most of their history with John Casey and even with Graham Gano, who had a great year last year with the New York Giants. The Panthers let him go in favor of Joey Sly. And now he got re-signed. They've usually not had bad kicking situations. The last two years have been bad kicking situations. I know Sly saw a sports psychologist this year. Uh, hopefully that works out for him. But like, I don't think you can overlook special teams, especially for a team that lost a lot of close games last year and was sending their kicker out for some comically long NFL record attempting field goals. So it's the youngest team in the league as well. I want to say, I was telling people for a while, I could see them being 8-9, 9-8. I'll probably move more to the 7-10 and 10 scale just because they're, they're so young. I'm not a believer in Darnold, so if I don't believe in Darnold, I can't believe this team is going to be over 500. So, yeah, 7-10, and 8-9 could make sense. And I think really all they've been really trying to build towards is 2022 in year three. If Darnold works out and they do go 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, that, I don't know if they're a playoff team, probably not. That would set up for in 2022 – with Breeze gone, who knows what the Saints look like at quarterback with, I can't, it can't be Taysom Hill. Maybe it is, but it can't be. But with Jameis and in the Falcons have Matt Ryan for another year, what does that look like with Arthur Smith, the first time head coach? And in Tom Brady and the Bucs, uh, who are going to be Super Bowl favorites once again. But, you know, eventually Brady is going to maybe look like a human being, even at the age of 44. They have to be positioning themselves for 2022 and maybe 2023, whatever it is, to have a young quarterback who they can depend on and have that young roster that's gained more experience. So 2022 is the year you're looking at, but this year, yeah, seven, 10, eight, nine, they get nine, eight great playoffs. I don't think that's really a realistic possibility. It's who knows how things shape up because they do have the NFC East this year and a, and a pretty close, you have a game against the close that could be key later on and the Vikings. That's kind of where I look at it. It's a long answer, but I think seven and ten, eight and nine with hey, if things break your way and you win closer games, maybe nine and eight, but nothing above that. Those uh record totals are gonna be weird for me forever. Um uh, yeah. maybe I'll get used to them in a few years, but still very strange. Some really interesting stuff going on with the Panthers, though. Some things worth watching. Those college influences from from Joe Brady and Phil Snow, the coordinators. We didn't talk very much about Brady. And Matt Rule, just the the college influence in the coaching staff, the youth of the team. I think that those things make this team interesting to watch from the outside looking in. The skill players, obviously a lot of fun to watch. And some players that I personally liked in the draft that I'll be keeping an eye on. Julian, thanks so much for your time and for all of this great insight into the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, anytime, Jake. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On NFL. Ryan and I are back next week. And we've got the Cowboys on the schedule. Quote unquote, America's team. 
And I put that in quotes for a reason. I know a lot of you love them, but it's not universal. Tomorrow, Chris and Q have you covered. They should be doing a season preview for the Seahawks in addition to any other breaking and important NFL news. Until next Thursday, thanks for listening and have a good one.